You're listening to episode 50 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. 50 episodes, 50 episodes. How did we get here so fast? (laughs) Emily here for the Rune to Grow podcast, and I am absolutely pinching myself that we are already at 50 episodes. I don't know where the time has gone. It has absolutely flown by and I have just loved every minute. So I have made this episode an extra special one. We're doing a Q&A today, and I asked for questions across social media, and through both through the Room to Grow podcast Facebook group, um, on my Instagram uh, page, and my stories. I asked people from all over to submit questions, and I've got some awesome ones. So I'm really, really excited about this. I've grouped them kind of together a little bit. So I've gotten some questions on podcasting and business, um, questions about anxiety, some questions around like nutrition exercise, and some questions around minimalism too, which is really cool. Uh, Setting intentions for the new year. We've got some really, really great stuff coming up. So I'm super pumped about this. Make sure to stay tuned for all of these. And I do want to let you know about two really special things first. So first of all, uh, right now until December 21st only, I am hosting something called the whole health summit, 12 other incredible women in the online space. And I have come together to offer you a selection of products that we typically charge for, and we are offering them to you for free until December 21st as our gift to you guys, this is huge. This is it. And I have to tell you the the things that are being offered are absolutely incredible. I'm offering a free course about uh, free, like mini course around dealing with anxiety. Um, there's videos, there's emails included to help walk you through what some of your triggers are and how to recognize it, get to the root cause, um, moving past it, some actual tools that you can have at your disposal to start dealing with anxiety in a really serious way to really change your life. Some of the other ladies are offering things like a fat loss blueprint, uh, how to actually get the body that you have always wanted, uh, TRX workouts and videos, holiday recipes made with healthy and whole foods. There is so much in this thing. It is absolutely jam packed with stuff. And after the 21st, you can still access everything, but you'll have to pay for each one of them. So what happens is you are going to there. I'll, I'll have it all linked up in the show notes that you can go check out over at room to grow podcast.com. Um, or make sure to come over to Instagram, find me over at Emily Goff coach. You can sign up. And then as soon as you sign up, then you have access to go through basically like a little shopping cart, check, 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 whatever products you want, whichever ones are going to serve you the best. You can get as many of them as you want and sign up for them for absolutely $0 zero dollars. So this whole health summit is is truly our gift to you, our way of giving back. And we want you to have the healthiest holiday and the healthiest possible year ahead. Um, and this is absolutely the best way to go about it, to start getting a jump start on things that you have been wanting to change that you've maybe been struggling with, 
that you've been dealing with. These women are incredible coaches. They are incredible human beings and they are offering so much value. It is blowing me away. So make sure to go and check that out. You can grab all of the information in the show notes, whatever device you're on currently right now as well, whether it's iTunes or Spotify, anything like that, it will actually be linked, hyperlinked directly in the show notes right there too. So make sure to take a peek at that and you'll be able to jump straight to it from there. And secondly, next week on December, Tuesday, December 11th at 7.30 PM Eastern, I am hosting a free webinar called launch your podcast like a pro and the three secrets that no one tells you about podcasting. And this is huge. I've gotten so many questions about podcasts and I'm going to be offering super specific strategies. I see people missing all the time when it comes to both starting a podcast or even running one that is already existing. And I'm still seeing these mistakes being made constantly. This is actually my second podcast. So we're 50 episodes into this one. Um, I previously had a podcast fit and nourished mind with uh, my girl, Kate, she and I were co-hosts and we got to 46 episodes before I decided to, to start my own, just branch out. And I have learned a lot in two full podcast launches, running of both podcasts, organizing everything behind the scenes. It takes a lot of work but it is totally doable. It can be a complete game changer for your business as well. And I really want to share what I have learned with you. So again, all the information over in the show notes, it's also hyperlinked in the show notes. You can jump right over to sign up from there. Um, again, Tuesday, December 11th, next week at 7.30 PM Eastern. And I am just so excited about this. I am probably more excited about this project than I've been about anything in a long time other than the whole health summit. <laughs> so basically all the exciting things are happening right now and I'm just bursting and I can't wait for you to go and get both of those. So make sure to jump over there as well. Okay, let's dive into Q and A. So first uh, sort of subcategory that I've grouped everything into here is podcasting and kind of business in general. So the first question is when and how did you fall in love with podcasting? So Kate, uh, who I just mentioned, my co-host uh, previously, Kate and I started with, um, when we started Fit and Nourished Mind, it wasn't called that initially. We were calling it Real Talk, Without, Real Talk Without Borders, I believe. And we started with just some joint Facebook Lives for a couple of months, sort of gauge interest, see how our chemistry was, if we enjoyed it. We both totally loved it. And honestly, we looked forward to doing it every single week. We had some connection issues because Facebook Live can do that, but it was a lot of fun. And we thought, you know what? Like, let's let's go for it. Let's do it. And I mean, really, in terms of just podcasting in general, I have a lot to say in case you haven't noticed. So podcasting sort of the perfect outlet for me to be able to reach a wider audience with what I feel to be, uh, hopefully anyway, fairly important messages, at least to me. So um, it, it's always, this is why I always so appreciate when people tell me that they're listening and, and enjoying it. And, and it uh, means the absolute world to me because podcasting is such a, um, it, it's very close to my heart. I really do absolutely love it. I really enjoy doing it. And it's one of my favorite things about my business that I do. I, the other reason why I decided to go for it, honestly, I listening to podcasts, other people's podcasts is one of my favorite things to do has been for quite a while. And despite this huge surge for video content, I far prefer podcasts because I can much more easily, you know, download in advance. I know you can do that with video sometimes, but it's harder and 
I'm not always techy enough to figure it out. I've gotten on flights before where I thought that I had videos downloaded in advance and they weren't and I've been super annoyed. So <laughs> I never have that problem with podcasts. I seem to be able to master downloading podcasts. Um, you can listen to them while walking, moving, commuting, cooking, etc. Like, you know, what, whatever you want to do, you can do all of that while listening to a podcast and learning, which is so, so cool. I love that. And honestly, when I realized how much I felt like I knew the people on the other end of my headphone that were talking into my ear. And I, I just, I really wanted to be able to have that with my own listeners and to be able to build a strong connection that way. That's really important to me to be able to, to build that connection and that trust and talking into someone's ear is a really intimate experience. It's really intimate. You get to know that person, you get to know their voice, you get to hear, you know, little snippets and, and tidbits about their life that just randomly get thrown in uh, that wouldn't necessarily if if it was written content, for example, um, because we're, we tend to be much more, uh, sometimes anyway, we, we tend to be much more careful with what we write. But when it's just talking, we tend to be more open a little bit. And, and I want to be able to be open for anyone who's listening. So that was really why I fell in love with podcasting. That's such a great question. I, I really like that one a lot. Um, I am also going to link in the show notes about podcasting with a co-host and some of the pros and cons again, because I've seen both sides. I've, I've podcasted with the co-host. I've had this show for a long time now without, um, and there, there are pros and cons for both. So I'll make sure to link that, uh, that one in the show notes as well. Okay. Next question. What, what, uh, what are the first steps for setting up a podcast? Okay. So I'm going to mention again, the webinar on December 11th, uh, next week, I'm going to be talking a lot about that and how to set up a podcast. Even if you have done nothing to start a podcast, if you don't have a title, you aren't even sure what topic you're ready to go for, whatever it is. But if you're even remotely interested in podcasting, this webinar is the place to go. I, I am going to be giving you so many cool tips and, and tricks to the trade, basically, that you can use to build a podcast in like six weeks. Seriously. So make sure to go sign up for that, for that webinar, for sure. Um, I'm going to be telling you more about how to go about it. And I mean, the one thing that I would say too, like, who do you want to speak to? What, what is your intention behind the podcast? Those are both things that you can start to think about. Ask your audience about a name too. play with some different options, you know, but don't, don't let that and the artwork get you stuck to the point where you don't move forward. I see that a lot where people get so hung up on both the name and the artwork that they just, they never get anywhere and they just give up. And I don't want that to happen to you. So make sure to sign up for this webinar because this is going to be really, really helpful for you to, to move past some of those blocks. I think if you don't have much of an audience yet, and you're trying to figure out a name, talk to like friends and family who are interested in what you do or reach out to an online community. Um, again, I'm going to be mentioning this more in, in the podcast and the, the webinar next week, but it's funny. I, I don't know if, uh, in the last, in the last question, I said that Kate and I started with the name real talk without borders. We wanted to call the podcast that, but we polled our audiences and everyone voted for fit and nourish mind. And I'll be, I'll be frank. We were both a little disappointed. <laughs> we actually both really preferred Real Talk Without Borders, but we also kind of had to go with what our audience wanted to hear as well. And they wanted to, to hear from a show called Fit and Nourish Mind. So, and that was fine. Like it was no big deal. So we went with it. 
Um, room to grow. Actually, James, uh, my partner, James came up with the name for my podcast. He drew out a whole like idea board, like word jumble. Um, we both worked on it. We both came up with a, a few different things, but he was the one who came up with room to grow actually. Um, in terms of like, again, setting up for a podcast, there's a lot of back end work, like submitting your artwork and, uh, then, and your show in general to iTunes and elsewhere. Um, there's, there is a lot of backend stuff in podcasting that doesn't really get shown to the general public. Like we just pop on iTunes, download our episode and we're good to go. But there's a lot that goes into it prior to that. So I'll make sure to, to check out the webinar next week. I'll definitely be talking about that a lot more then. What are the biggest mistakes podcasters make is the next question. Again, <laughs> covering this in the webinar next week, um, at 7 30 PM on the 11th. But I feel like going into it for the wrong reasons um, is, is definitely one of them because a lot of times people might think that they should just be starting a podcast because everyone else has one. Like podcasting is becoming more popular now and a little bit more mainstream. And I think that sometimes people are jumping on board with it because it's the thing to do, not because they necessarily even enjoy it. So going into it for the wrong reasons is a really big one. Thinking it's easy is another. Let me tell you, there again, I love podcasting so much and I, I would never give it up, but there is a lot of backend work, a lot of backend work. I don't want to scare you with that because there's ways to make it work and to make it manageable, certainly, but it's also not easy necessarily. It's simple, but it's not easy. So I, I do want to stress that. Um, another mistake would be thinking that that everything has already been said and letting that comparison trap stop you. I think that's a really big problem that a lot of people let get in their way. And, um, I, I think the other, the other one, <laughs> this one is, is interesting to me. I feel like going about building relationships with guests or potential guests, the entirely wrong way is one of by far and away the biggest mistake I see podcasters making because I get all kinds of emails from people and people reaching out, um, you know, pitching me for the podcast and some are great. Some of them are not at all. Um, so I, I'll be going into more detail on that on, on the webinar for sure. So make sure to sign up over there and, and, uh, you'll, you'll get more details on that. <laughs> um, okay. Next question. Why shouldn't someone start a podcast? You know what? I'm going to go back to my other answer too, because everyone else is doing it. Don't start a podcast because everyone else is doing it. That is the wrong reason. You are not doing you or your audience any favors. And I take people's time very seriously. And when people are tuning in every week to hear me, I better have, I better be showing up consistently, first of all, and I better have something good to say that is relatively, you know, educational or helpful in some way because these people are giving me their time. You are giving me your time right now by listening to this. And I do not take that lightly because your time is extremely precious, extremely precious. And I don't want to waste your time. So no one should start a podcast just because they think everyone else is doing it. So that's, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, next question. What's the etiquette for wanting to connect with a peer or add value for their clients? Fantastic question. Absolutely fantastic question. Okay. First, remember that they're human. I think this is something that, and I've been totally guilty of this, like kind of forgetting that they're just human. They're another human being. They, they are existing in this world with you and 
they're just human. You know, we can take them off the pedestal because at the end of the day, they are a human being. So take an interest in them, right? Like start a conversation, share their work with your people. When, when you've opened that door, then um, present them with an offer that benefits them. So rather than, hey, I want you on my podcast, say something like, uh, hey, I, I saw you shared X the other day, and I would love to introduce my audience to your work further, blah, 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 right? Like that's a much better way to frame it than just, hey, uh, I'd, I'd love to get you on my podcast, period. No, like show them some value, show them Show them that you are taking a genuine interest in them and that it benefits them. You have to frame it differently than that. And if you want to get in front of their audience, this relationship type of building still applies. And then when you're ready to pitch to them, again, frame it with the benefit to them and their audience. Like how can you help them with or their audience with a problem that their people are having? Like what do you have that might be missing or might not be their exact area of expertise? What, what sets you apart from, from other people with your knowledge and experiences? I'll be honest, the best pitch I've gotten recently to be on the podcast was someone who reached out to me. Um, every, the email was extremely clearly laid out. They offered me three potential options of discussion. Each one was fully detailed and they had taken the time to get to know who my audience was as well. And I really appreciated that. I thought that that was a really well put together pitch and it was definitely the best one I had gotten in a while. And I did end up uh, inviting her on the podcast. So that's something to think about too. Like, just make sure that, that you remember these people are human. These people are human. Like start a conversation, take an interest in them and frame it to how something can benefit them. Uh, okay. Next question. What has been the most empowering thing for you to in committing to your business? Number one, far and away is setting my own schedule. That has been by far the most empowering thing that has come out of me committing to my business. It, it, I still will wake up some days, especially if it's raining or snowing, which would typically make my commute extremely long. And I am grateful, like as I'm opening my eyes, that I don't have to commute somewhere and that I don't have to be somewhere at a particular time and that, you know, I can get to work right away and then go to the gym later or I can, you know, go for a walk right away and then get to work instead. Like there's, there's endless options and I get to choose. Now that has also been a bit of a challenge at times too, because I haven't always been the best at setting my own schedule, but just having the power to do so and the power to improve upon it has been incredibly empowering. Um, the other thing I'd probably say is knowing, knowing that I can achieve anything I want and literally create something that started out as an idea in my brain. That's still super cool to me. Like that I, I get to put things out into the world that I have just created out of my own head because I never thought of myself as a creative person. So when I made that switch and started allowing my, my creativity to come through just in different ways than, you know, like dance or art or something like that, neither of which I'm particularly talented at by any means, <laughs> when I started to think about creativity differently, it made a big difference and, and it's been really powerful for sure. Um, okay. We are going to move on to a question I got about anxiety. So talk to us about anxiety and appetite. When my appetite is, sorry, when my anxiety is high, my appetite goes away. And the last thing I want to do is eat, but I know I still need to eat. Great, great question. This is such a good question. I love this one. So something 
I, and I totally hear you. This, this happens to me as well. I'll end up, you know, like wanting to just skip meals or something like that. And, and once in a while I do because digestion typically doesn't happen very well when we are super anxious. So we have to be a little bit careful about that. Um, but what I would suggest is looking for really easy to digest foods, things like soups or smoothies, like especially soup this time of year is awesome too, because it's colder again, depending on your climate, but um, it's, you want something that is, is going to be easier to digest as opposed to potentially like, you know, a raw salad or something like that. If you're craving that, or, or you think that you would just really enjoy it, obviously go for it. But if you're looking for things that are going to be a little bit easier to, to digest, soups and smoothies are an awesome choice. You also want to look for foods that are super simple to make. So things like, uh, like eggs or veggies and hummus, um, you know, maybe some, crackers and cheese, even if you really want like something like that, that's not something I would typically advise people of, but if you are having trouble eating anything at all, and that's appealing to you, as long as it's still going to make you feel okay, go ahead and eat it. Go ahead and eat it. Right? Like this, you're in a season right now, even if this season is only lasting for a couple days, maybe it's a few weeks, you're not going to be in this season forever. So if you need to eat and that's the only thing that's going to appeal to you, I would definitely go for things that are going to be super simple and not complicated. Otherwise, it just becomes a barrier to entry. So if if you feel like you're already not having, you already don't have much of an appetite, and cooking often when we're feeling super anxious doesn't seem that appealing, at least to me. Um, I don't. I, that's such a barrier to entry for me to eat at all at that point, if that makes sense. Because then I'm like, well, if I'm going to eat, I'm not even that hungry. But if I do want to eat, then I'm gonna have to like spend half an hour or an hour like making food and that's just not fun. That's not fun. So don't be afraid of convenience foods here either. Like things like rotisserie chicken, you know, go to the store and grab that something that's like already prepared. Um, sometimes I'll pick up like prepared sushi if I'm in a rush or if I'm feeling super anxious and I just don't feel like cooking or something like that. So that can be a good one too. Hydration honestly is the most key here. So no matter what you are eating or not eating, hydration is absolutely the most important. And something else is that anxiety has a really close relationship with blood sugar. I've seen it happen in others and I've actually experienced it myself as well, where I was super, super anxious until I ate a healthy meal, keyword being healthy there. So something with, you know, lots of uh, protein, um, healthy fats, and maybe a little bit of carbohydrate, something like that. And I felt so much better afterwards, not nearly as anxious. And I may not have even realized I was hungry. That's the other thing too. Like sometimes when I'm feeling super anxious, again, like same thing you're experiencing, I don't have much of an appetite, but then when I finally eat, I realize like, wow, I actually was pretty hungry. And my anxiety goes down as I'm eating because it makes such a difference to blood sugar. So that's something to bear in mind. I have literally seen people transform. Like they've been super, super anxious and then they ate a healthy meal and they maybe hadn't eaten for like the previous 12 to 24 hours. And as soon as they ate, they feel they felt better. So it's really interesting to see the difference there. So make sure to keep that in mind. Okay, on to I've got a question about minimalism here. Uh, so how do you approach minimalism? What are some steps to take for people who tend to hold on to things? And how can we make letting go of items easier? Awesome question. Awesome question. Okay, so something I want to advise here is for anyone who doesn't know, by the way, I am going to be doing a whole thing on minimalism in January. So stay tuned for that. Um, 
I, I just kind of, I, so far I've just sort of mentioned it in passing, but I am very much a minimalist. Like I have limited, uh, stuff. I, if, I don't know how else to explain it. I just, I don't like having clutter. I try and clear things out as quickly as I can that are not needed, all of those types of things. But we'll go into all of that more in, uh, in January for sure. But something you can try, it's an exercise you can try. Pack some things up into boxes and tuck them away in like the corner of, of your basement or something like that. Like somewhere where, where it's not going to be super obvious. But pack some things up that you don't usually use and tuck them away. If after, say, three to six months, something like that, you still haven't used any of those things, donate or sell. Like, get rid of it. If you haven't touched them in six months, you are not going to. I can almost guarantee you that you probably will not going, that you probably are not going to. Another thing is, pick items up and, and look at them. And what is your gut reaction? Like, does it bring you joy? Because remember that if you feel scattered and disorganized, it has a lot to do with the environment that you're cultivating around you. So there are particular items sometimes I've ended up getting rid of. I used to, um, I used to meditate where I was looking at a, a particular object that somebody gave me. It was like a photo frame or something that, that somebody gave me. And I had some bad memories of that person. And Every time I close my eyes to meditate, just because of my line of view, it was the last thing that I saw before I closed my eyes. And I started to realize it was really weighing on me. So I got rid of it. And meditation now is like so much better <laughs> because it just, things like items have an energy to them. And depending on what your feelings are and associations with whatever that item is, it might not be the best energy to have around you. Again, this goes with like cultivating the, the environment around you. So when you pick something up, is your immediate thought that it brings you joy? If other than if it's something necessity, like I don't know that anyone feels joy necessarily when they pick up their, their toothbrush, but it's, it's a necessity. But if it's not something that is a necessity and it doesn't bring you joy, do you really need it? Do you really need to have it? The other thing is... When, when we're cluttered, when we're weighed down, we have all kinds of stuff that doesn't allow for new things in our life either. Like, for example, let's say there's uh, new items of clothing that you want to have. Have you made room for them in your closet? Have you cleared out old items that you no longer wear? Yeah, you might not have those new things yet, but if you haven't made room for those new things, where are you going to put them? Like the universe doesn't know, right? So if, if you haven't even made space for those new things that you want or desire or that you are hoping to sort of call into your life, you haven't made space for them, they're not going to come. So that's something to really think about and, and really take note of. Uh, something else I want, I mean, especially because of the time of year too, this popped into my head, seasonal items. I want you to be really intentional about what you put up for let's say you're celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever else you celebrate this year, whatever, whatever that looks like for you, anything that you don't put up this year. And especially if it also didn't get used last year, get rid of it. Cause that doesn't necessarily fall into the three to six months rule. I know that that like these types of holidays will only come once a year, but if you aren't putting it up this year, I would say it probably needs to go anyway. But if you also didn't put it up last year, it's got to go. You don't need it. It is just taking up unnecessary space. Not only 
physical space in your house, but also on your mind. Like this is why we all feel so good when we do something like a spring cleaning or we clean out our closet or, you know, these are kind of like basic examples, but stuff like that makes a big difference and totally changes our energy, totally changes our energy. So that's something to be really, really careful about. Uh, let me see here. Next question, how to make realistic intentions for the new year without making resolutions? Such a good question. I actually have an episode coming up on January 1st about how to make anti-resolutions that don't suck. <laughs> so you can definitely stay tuned for that one. Um, but overall, it's really important to be clear and specific, not something like work out better and, and work out more and eat better. I just, that's the same basic thing that I hear from so many people over and over again. And it's, it means nothing. I've also heard be mindful. What does that even mean? <laughs> like be mindful about what? <laughs> we have to get super specific on these things. Super specific. The other thing is start slow, right? Like we have to start slow and simple, not trying to do a, a complete 180 from whatever your current state is. That's just not going to work. That's where resolutions fall apart. We all know this. This is why most resolutions fail. I, instead, focus on something like one or two super small things. Get very clear on why you are choosing them. That has been mentioned several times in this podcast. Um, check out episode 48 with Alana Jadala as well. She talks a lot about asking why. And she has a really, really great explanation for it. So make sure that we are figuring out why we want to do something. Because that why is going to get you through on the days where you don't feel motivated. That's what's going to fuel you. So make sure to pay really close attention to that. But more will be definitely, uh, more will be coming on that uh, January 1st for sure. Um, let me see. Okay, last category here. So nutrition and exercise is sort of this next little grouping. Um, how to be consistent with exercise when you work an unusual schedule, such as shift work uh, on one week, off the next, and don't sleep well. Great question. This is a tough one because anyone who works something like shifts, it is hard. You're sort of going against your body's natural instincts on when to sleep. And it can be difficult, especially if you're switching back and forth and, and it's tough. So in terms of being consistent with exercise, number one, keep it simple. Keep it simple. And if you are, I would also suggest um, keeping on hand maybe like a couple little body weight things that, that you could do at home too. So if you only have say 15 minutes to work out, but your gym is a 10 minute drive each way away, you're not going to go. So keep some things on hand that you can do in the living room really quickly that wouldn't take up a lot of time, wouldn't take up a lot of effort, but at least then you've gotten in a little bit of exercise. That can be super, super helpful. Don't be hard on yourself either. I mean, sleep really does need to be prioritized. So far and away, the number one thing that I would suggest is walking. Walk as much as you possibly can. And if you're coming off a period of time where you have gotten very little sleep, like if you got three or four hours of sleep last night, don't make working out such a huge priority. Instead, those are the days where, where you especially need to prioritize something like walking instead, because then at least you're getting that movement and it really helps with stress. Um, it can help wake you up as well. Even just that fresh air can be really, really nice. And don't stress over it. Don't stress over it but still try to make sure that you can fit it in where you can, but just again, be gentle with yourself. Keep uh, a packed gym bag nearby or in your car even 
so that if you if you have time um, or more more importantly if you're making the time then you can stop really quickly either on your way to work or on the way home from work something like that but then you you have to you're putting in the minimal amount of effort because your gym bag is already there right so then you don't have to go about packing everything up and then it takes more time and everything else keep it on hand so that you can grab it quickly and go I hope that that helps it, it that's a tricky one I know that shift work is, is really tough for a lot of people so just prioritizing sleep as much as you can is is the most important uh, okay how to fit in more produce when someone hates veggies and is a picky eater <laughs> awesome question I get this one a lot a lot so one thing here it depends if we're talking about an adult or a kid if it's a kid we might have to get a little bit more creative if many of these many of my suggestions I think will probably apply to both uh, but you can certainly give them a shot with a kid but again you just you might have to get a little bit more creative kids are kids know when we're trying to sneak them things right so <laughs> sometimes we have to uh, to, to definitely um, take our game up a notch in that in that department so I would suggest um, it, getting creative with yourself too right like get creative with yourself many people who don't like veggies are I find in my in my experience they're usually trying to choke them down with no seasoning just like plain raw or steamed or whatever much of the time which is not everyone's jam and then they're complaining that they hate vegetables well of course you hate vegetables that does not sound good to anyone <laughs> I like vegetables and that does not sound delicious so we have to get a little bit better at how we are preparing them so Google is your best friend. There are literally hundreds of thousands of recipes on Google that will give you some really creative ways to make vegetables delicious. Um, something else, I know I've mentioned this uh, already before for another answer, but smoothies. You can hide all kinds of mild tasting vegetables like a pile of greens, uh, even like things like zucchini, um, like cucumber, all kinds of different things that you can just stuff in a smoothie. And if you're adding something like an apple or a little bit of fruit or something like that to go with it. Um, maybe some collagen so that you're getting some protein in there too. All of those things can be awesome. And then you can just hide all kinds of things in there. That's a great one for kids actually too. I've heard so many people really have a lot of luck with smoothies for their kids. There's also other things. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a last resort because real food is always the best option, but greens powders can be great. Like if it's well sourced, do your research obviously. Um, make sure that you're getting a good quality one, but greens powders can be awesome. I know I know several picky eaters who have added in some greens uh, greens powders, not because I ever, and again, I also don't advise like getting all of your vegetables just from a greens powder. Like you still need to be having some real foods anyway, but it can be helpful to just supplement. That's why it's called a supplement. We're not trying to take over the diet. It's just that we are using it as part of the diet, right? So that can be a good option too. And let's see here. Last question. When exercise, sleep, and eating well don't happen, tips on feeling better? Great question. I know that that happens sometimes. Um, one thing I want to advise here though, be very careful about not allowing this to become chronic. This is where we can get ourselves into a really stressful state and then we start to accept that as our standard. And I don't think that that's a good idea. So this is sort of like my, my disclaimer for, the, for my answer here, because while I, I know that we can all get into um, periods of time and, and seasons where we don't necessarily have time to exercise, sleep, or eat well, ultimately it is still, it's all about priorities and choices, right? Like we're all busy. 
but we always have more choices. Like always your next meal, search out veggies, even like restaurants and fast food places. There are so many more veggie heavy options than ever before. So that is, you know, the, the one area where you can really take control. Even if you're eating out every night, you can still find out, find options where you are getting something that is a little bit more veggie dense and will make you feel a little bit better. Something else too, like say, stay super hydrated, super hydrated. If everything else is suffering far and away, the best thing that you can do is to make sure that you are getting as much water into you as you possibly can. You can try and catch a nap um, whenever you can, like even 15, 20 minutes can actually be really helpful. Depending on how you nap, some people don't, some people are like even more groggy after a nap. I wouldn't advise napping for longer than about 15 to 20 minutes, unless you're going to be able to sleep for like a full hour and a half or so. Otherwise you interrupt like a, an REM cycle and that's typically when you get extra groggy. So 15 to 20 minutes, even just lying down for five or 10 minutes. If you don't actually fall asleep, it can actually still really help the body to de-stress a little bit. Just lying down very quietly for a few minutes and then you get back up and it can be really, really helpful. Um, again, gentle walking movement, that's gonna help with stress as well. Take a moment to just breathe deeply too. Like just take, take a minute to just breathe. Meditate for a few minutes. Um, I know that these kind of sound like woo-woo, but again, like these are sort of our foundational things like exercise, sleeping, eating, all of those things. And, and we all go through times of stress where that isn't going to be optimal, but just don't let it continue long-term. Like ultimately you have to end up putting yourself first at some point or another, because otherwise everything else is going to fall apart around you anyway. So make sure to prioritize as much as you can. Okay, so that is it for the questions. Um, yeah, I just want to remind you one last time, make sure to go check out the whole health summit. I am so pumped about this, guys. The, this, these free resources are unreal, unreal, and they are only going to be free until December 21st. And then there's a price tag being put on all of them and that's permanent. They're not gonna be free again. So make sure to go and check that out. Uh, these women are absolutely incredible. I only ever partner with people that are amazing that I believe in and that have just really incredible things to offer people. And you are absolutely going to be blown away at how amazing, amazing these are. And also the podcasting webinar. So launching your prog your podcast like a pro uh, next week, Tuesday, December 11th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And I'm going to be giving you all the goods, all the goods. So really specific strategies, just mistakes that I see people making, uh, things to avoid if you want success. Uh, all of these things are all going to be talked about at length in this webinar. This is probably my favorite webinar ever. I'm so excited about this. So make sure to jump over there and we'll be back on Thursday. Thanks so much for listening to the room to grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at room to grow podcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.